Welcome to She Decided to Run Her Way, a podcast created for the aspiring female runner or one in the making who is ready to let go of the pressure to perform, quit chasing someone else's pace, and start embracing her own. My name is Pamela Otero, a certified running coach and personal trainer, and each week I'll be sharing practical running strategies and mindset shifts to help you do just that. So, if you're ready to run your way, then grab your running shoes, lace up, and listen in. Well, hey there. I hope you're doing well and your week has been going great so far. At the time of this recording, it's the last week in November, and my family and I just spent the weekend in the mountains cutting down our Christmas tree. This was actually our 10th annual Christmas tree cutting adventure that we had, and each year it's always such a different experience. So we started this tradition when my kids were five and seven. They're now 15 and 17, which is pretty ridiculous if you ask me. It's absolutely crazy to think that this much time has passed and they have just gotten so big. But when we first met Dave, my boyfriend, we decided to start this tradition of cutting down our own Christmas tree as our own family tradition. And now for the past 10 years, we've created this tradition of going out, exploring all the different national forests that we have in our state. We have five national forests here in New Mexico, and we've really just enjoyed kind of picking different national forests, picking different areas within the forest and going out and cutting down our own Christmas trees each year. And it's something that we absolutely look forward to each and every year. Although I will say having two teenagers now, they have tended to be a little grumpy these last few years leading up to the weekend that we do this. But usually once You know, they're in the mountains and we're trekking through the forest searching for the best Christmas tree that we can find. They always end up having a blast. And if you have teenagers, then you know exactly what I mean by this. But as we were out this past weekend in the Magdalena Mountains, which is they're about an hour and a half from Albuquerque, an hour and a half south, maybe a little bit more. And we were trekking through the snow. Yes, There was snow, pretty much, I would say about a foot to possibly in some areas, a little bit more where we were. You know, it really got me thinking about how much I look forward to winter, how much I look forward to the snow, and how I can't wait to be able to do this specific cross-training activity that I love and that's hugely beneficial for your running and my running and that I do every year in the snow which is exactly what I want to chat with you about today. Now, I know you might be listening to this episode later in the year when it's possibly summer, or maybe you don't live in an area that has access to snow during your winter months. But I want you to stick around and listen in because I still believe this episode is going to be helpful to you because I think you can take this information and use it when it is winter where you're at and you have access to snow, 
or if you ever decide to travel to a place that has snow, this just might be something you want to try as a way to support your running while you're traveling or support your running during the winter months if you have access to snow and just mix things up a bit. Why not, right? So stick around, hang out with me for just a bit as I share with you today the four benefits snowshoeing can offer your running and your overall fitness. Now, if you've never snowshoed before, don't you worry. I'm going to also share with you today, you know, what you need to wear, how to prepare, as well as explain how you might test some of this gear out first, um, because you may not love it. You know, you want to find out if it's something you're going to enjoy and if it's something you're going to do more than once. So I will talk a little bit about that today as well. Now, I know I've shared this with you many times on previous episodes, but I'm a huge fan of trail running. It's actually my most favorite type of running to do. So during the winter, when there is snow, when the snow hits the mountain near my town, where I live in Albuquerque, it really just takes us, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes to hit the trails. Um, We have the Sandia Mountains just right close to us. Um, When it snows and this snow hits the trails that I'm used to running on, what is so nice is I'm still able to get out into the mountains enjoy being out in nature and continue being active and moving my body in the space and in the area that I love to normally run. And this really does also help me shift my brain energy during the winter really into a different physical activity that always just does wonders for really keeping me engaged and excited about moving my body. Plus, you know, there tends to be less activity when there's snow because the mountain bikers have either hunkered down for the winter or they're hitting the slope skiing or snowboarding instead. And I get to have the trails all to myself without worrying about them flying around the corner as I'm running. And I'll totally admit to you, um, the other reason why I love snowshoeing during the winter is I also get a little bored pretty easily. So mixing things up during different parts of the year really does help me stay committed to my fitness and stay committed to my running. So what exactly are the benefits to snowshoeing? Why should you care? Why should you try it if you currently are a runner or you're thinking about getting started with your running? Well, today I've identified four benefits that I want to share with you, and I am going to jump right into what they are. So first off, snowshoeing really is a fantastic strength building activity. Because snowshoeing is really just hiking in the snow, it requires you to lift your legs up and through the snow, and it really helps to activate and engage your hamstrings, your hip flexors, and your glute muscles that are really the powerhouse muscle groups responsible for your running and for your running gait. And what I like to do when I snowshoe is I personally like to carve out my own path if I'm on a trail that's been trafficked a lot and then the snow has been packed down. 
Um, doing this really requires me to lift my legs up really high because sometimes the snow is a few feet deep. And so because our glutes and our, our hamstrings tend to be underactive or weak um, as runners, they are, we tend to be more quad dominant and our glutes and hamstrings, although they are key, key muscle groups in your running gait and your running stride, they tend to be more weak and underactive compared to your quads. So when you get out and you are snowshoeing, this action of snowshoeing and hiking through the snow, it really builds strength and supports, you know, these muscle groups, you know, without having to do those more traditional strength training exercises that you would be, you would be doing in the gym. So it is a huge strength builder for your glutes, your hamstrings, and your hip flexors. The other thing that's really great about snowshoeing and how it relates to building strength is that if you use hiking poles while you're snowshoeing, you're better able to work and move your upper body and your core as you move your arms trekking through the snow. Now, I will say I only recently started using hiking poles. I have always used poles when I go skiing. But I have been snowshoeing now for at least 25 years, and only up until maybe three years ago did I get hiking poles. And I found that over these past few years, they really have helped me engage and move my upper body a lot more, which also has helped me to move faster, and it's going to help you move faster along the trail with a quicker, more consistent pace. Um, it's really just a nice way with having these poles to get into a nice rhythm when you're snowshoeing. So if you decide to use poles and you decide to actually give this snowshoeing a try, um, just know that you will need, they're called baskets. They screw onto the bottom of the trekking poles and you're going to need baskets on your poles so that the poles, when you're going through the snow, stay a few inches um, below the surface of, this, of the snow instead of sinking all the way down. Okay, so you're only going to use the baskets for snowshoeing. So if you do already have hiking poles, you got one piece of the equipment, you're just going to need to get some baskets for them, and they're really inexpensive. Okay, so the second benefit of snowshoeing is the amazing cardiovascular and respiratory benefits that you get. Now, I don't know about you. I know with me, oftentimes during the colder months, you know, it's a little bit harder to get out there and get moving. So a lot of times runners, and you might be somebody that does this, you might cut back on your running and training because, well, it's just freaking cold outside. And sometimes the roads are iced over and a little slippery slippery to run on. And you may just not want to get out and run on the road because of, you know, safety. But you also may not want to run on the treadmill all winter long either. So instead of losing all of those cardiovascular gains that you've made in the fall with your running, over the winter, if you add in snowshoeing, maybe in place of one of your long runs or in place of one of your maintenance runs, you're still able to get outside safely, move your body, and maintain that cardiovascular fitness that you've built up over the fall with your running. 
So instead of regressing over the winter, you know, by not being as active and by not getting out and running as much, you're really able to maintain and work your aerobic energy system, your heart, which is a muscle, and, you know, the workings of your lungs and your diaphragm and your intercostal muscles. If you don't know what those are, those are basically the muscles in between your ribs. So snowshoeing is really good for maintaining that cardiovascular fitness, continuing to work that aerobic energy system, continuing to keep your heart muscles strong, as well as your lungs and those other supporting muscles um, like the diaphragm and the intercostal muscles in between your ribs. And you might actually be surprised if you've never snowshoed before. I know I mentioned it's basically hiking in the snow, but you might not be, you know, you might actually be surprised to feel your heart rate rise, even though you won't be going very fast. You know, snowshoeing can be pretty challenging on your breathing and all of those respiratory muscles and organs of yours that I just mentioned, which is a really good thing. So that's the second benefit to trying your hand at snowshoeing during the winter months and how that could really continue to support your running and really your overall fitness so that you don't regress during the colder colder months if you are someone that tends to run less and be less active. All right, so let's move right along to the third benefit that I feel snowshoeing provides your running and your overall fitness, and it has to do with stability. Now, because the snow is a softer surface, and sometimes when you're snowshoeing, you're traveling up and down areas in the mountains because the snow has possibly completely covered the trail sometimes. Um, Sometimes you're on the trail and it's very clearly marked, but it's packed down. And other times you might get out and not a lot of people have been out yet and you get to kind of make your own trail and create your own path. And so because the snow is a softer surface, um, it really creates a lot more instability on your body which requires you to also activate smaller stabilizing muscle groups like your lower legs and around your hips. And as you shift your weight, you know, each step, depending upon the angle of the trail or the area that you're trekking through, again, like I said, especially if you're making your own trail through deeper areas of snow, it really is going to challenge you to be more stable on a less stable surface. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So again, don't be surprised, you know, if you go out and you snowshoe one day, don't be surprised if after a day or so of snowshoeing that you start to feel kind of certain areas of your body that are sore that normally wouldn't be. It's really just a nice way to activate those smaller stabilizing muscles instead of always having the larger muscle groups dominate your movement, which can happen with running because it is more of this repetitive forward moving movement. And with snowshoeing and the way that you're lifting your legs, the way you're moving your body, the way you're traveling up and down the mountainside or on the trails, it's really going to activate a lot of those smaller stabilizing muscles and, you know, 
more of your joints and tendons, just working them in a different way. It's all good stuff, right? Okay, let me start wrapping it up with this fourth and final benefit of snowshoeing. And this is probably, in my opinion, the most important benefit out of all of them. And it really has to do with preventing you from getting burnt out with your running. Now, if you're someone who runs year round, or if you're just getting started with your running, using the winter months, in my opinion, is a time to intentionally kind of step back a bit from the miles and the structured training so that you give yourself a mental break. And that's really going to improve and help you're running down the line because when you have a break, you're more eager and excited to continue running down the line instead of getting burnt out by training constantly year round and following a structured, tra- a structured training schedule. So getting out in nature, breathing in this fresh, crisp air, escaping from the hustle and bustle of the city, it really does help help you rest and recharge your mind as well as your body. And I always encourage my clients to back off on their training during the winter months or during the times when their life may be busier and there might possibly be under greater stress. And oftentimes for most people, the winter and the holidays, they usually ramp up, you know, their stress meter. So continuing to train with a more structured and demanding training schedule isn't always supportive. And I do feel that it's helpful to mix things up and to back off and switch things up and give yourself an opportunity to really take a break and rest. Like I said, rest your mind, rest your body a little bit and mix things up with snowshoeing because you're able to try something new, possibly um, build in a little of that mental and physical rest. And then you're able to look forward to running again. Okay, this is something that years ago when I was running in person um, or coaching in person, I should say, um, I would have, you know, my summer trail season. I would always have a spring season that was on the road and then I would have a winter conditioning season. And with my group um, that I trained in person, I always liked to mix it up because I never wanted them to get bored. And a lot of times people would say, oh, I wish we could you know, do trail running year round. And I would always say, even though I love trail running year round, I still mix it up. But I would tell them, you know, if we always did trail running, it would kind of be something you take for granted and you wouldn't look forward to it as much. So I do believe there is huge benefit in, you know, picking a season where you're running on the road, picking a season where you're getting out into the trails, and then picking a season where you're getting out and you're doing other types of activities like snowshoeing to support your running and your overall fitness, where you step back a little bit from the structured training. Okay. Now, before I go over what I want to recommend you wear and how to prepare, if this is something that you want to try, um, if you'd like some other ideas um, or ways to train during the colder months and the winter months, I'd love it if you would check out episode 28. It's titled How to Use the Winter Months to Realign Your Running and Focus on Your Weak Links. I really give you some um, other great suggestions in that episode that I think will really balance out your running 
and your overall fitness um, during the colder months um, and during the winter for many of you. And so go ahead and after listening here and spending some time here with me, look at, um, go and look up uh, episode 28. I will link it below in the show notes, but that might be also another um, helpful bit of information if you haven't yet listened to that episode. Okay. So now you might be wondering, now that I went over the four benefits to snowshoeing, the benefits that I think um, really help your running and your overall fitness, you might be wondering, what in the heck do you wear when you go snowshoeing? Well, more likely than not, you have most, if not all, the gear that you're going to need. You know, with the exception possibly of the snowshoes, the gaiters, and the poles, which I'll explain to you here in a bit. But in general, if you're someone that likes to hike or you're someone that really enjoys trail running, you're probably going to have a lot of what you need. Now, if not, what I'd like for you to do is wear what you normally would wear when you run during the colder months. So you're going to need a warm hat like a beanie, some really good gloves, a buff that you will, you know, you wear around your neck and possibly could, if you want to pull it up over your mouth and nose, you're going to want a light windbreaker or a, you know, a, a rain jacket that's more like a shell. And you're going to want to have a long sleeve base layer underneath. You know, those are items that you're normally going to run in in the winter months. So you probably have already a lot of these items or you can pull them together pretty inexpensively. So you're going to want to, um, you know, when you're when you're out snowshoeing, the reason I say uh, the space layers, you're going to start warming up once you get moving. So you really want to dress in layers. And most of the time, what you want to make sure stays warm is your head, your hands and your feet, because a lot of times, you know, your core, your body, your trunk and your legs, they don't get as cold as often, especially once you get moving and once you get warming up. And if you are somebody that does run in the winter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So you want to dress in layers. And that was more of like the upper body items that you're going to need. But when it comes to your lower body, you're going to want to wear your running tights. If you have um, any running tights that are lined with fleece, um, I have a pair of those that I wear in the winter when I'm running. Um, and then I have my regular running tights, right? My reg regular running leggings, leggings, but you want to wear your running leggings. Um, if you're somebody that has a shell type of a ski pant where it's just the shell, um, you may want to wear that over your leggings as well. Um, I have snowshoed, like I said, in just leggings, um, I snowshoe normally with my running leggings and went with this um, shell type of ski pant that's really thin over my leggings, um, primarily because, like I said, I like to snowshoe in deep snow um, where I am kind of making my own path. And there have been many times I've lost my balance going back to that instability of the snow um, and really, you know getting you to um, be more stable. But there have been many times that I've lost my balance and I've totally biffed it. And I've ended up just laying out in the snow. And because I have that shell type of ski pant over my leggings and I have my um, 
rain jacket that's really more of a shell, I'm able to stay warm because I can just dust that snow off and it doesn't get my leggings soaking wet or my base layer wet. Okay, so that is why I recommend more of this thinner lined shell if you have it. And if you don't, then just stay on the path. Um, Don't go trekking through the deep snow um, unless you're cool with getting wet and that doesn't bother you so much. So when it comes to your shoes, I'd highly encourage you to wear um, any high top hiking shoes if you have them, Um, specifically ones that are water repellent or water resistant. Um, But if you have some hiking shoes and they're not water repellent or water resistant, you can actually go and buy or order this water repellent spray. And you just spray the tops of your hiking shoes around the toe box because that's the part that usually gets snow on it. Um, And so you just spray those, those hiking shoes if they're not already water resistant. Pretty simple. And if you don't have any hiking boots, but let's just say you have some trail running shoes, um, just wear those um, because with snow uh, snowshoeing, you're going to, if you're going to be renting, um, you're going to be wearing some gaiters and those gaiters are going to cover your ankles and your lower leg and part of the top of your um, trail shoes. So you don't necessarily need to have hiking shoes, although I do recommend it um, just to keep the snow from kind of making its way into Um, your shoe or your ankles. But if not, don't worry about it. Just wear your trail running shoes and do your best with um, making sure those those snowshoe gaiters are secure. Now, the other thing you're going to want to ensure is that you have warm socks. I know this might be a no brainer, but you might be surprised. There are so many runners out there that have been running for some time that actually are running in cotton. And so I don't want you to wear cotton. I want you to wear some warmer synthetic socks or preferably preferably some um, natural wool socks. Um, And I'd like for you to wear a mid to high length sock that really does a good job of covering your ankles to keep them warm, but also covering your ankles to keep any snow out if for some reason the snow gets underneath the gaiters. The other thing you're going to do is you're going to bring your running hydration system. Hopefully you are somebody that runs with a hydration vest or a waist belt. Um, You don't want to use a hydration system that's a handheld because you're going to have your poles and it's also important to have your hands free. So if you have a hydration vest or a waist belt that you run with, just bring that. Put your um, normal hydration liquids in there and then add some snacks just like you would if you were going out for a run. Now, I want to move on now just to snowshoes um, because you might not have any snowshoes. If you do, you know all of this stuff that I'm already sharing with you. But maybe you've snowshoed and you never thought how it could support your running. And now I hope that you do. But if you don't have snowshoes or you don't know anyone that you can borrow snowshoes from, I'd highly encourage you to call your outdoor or mountain equipment sporting store in your city or in your town to see if they rent snowshoes. And if you live in the United States and you have access to REI, even if you're not in, not a member, they do rent snowshoeing gear. And usually um, at REI, the snowshoes, the gaiters and the poles, they usually cost about 20 bucks a day. And if you are an REI member, you can get it for less than that. Okay. And 
you know, some other options if you think this is something you're going to enjoy because you do enjoy hiking, you do enjoy trail running, you do enjoy getting out into the mountains or in an area near you that is out in nature that has some trails and you have a Costco um, or a Sam's Club, a lot of times during the winter, they will sell snowshoes. They are, they're, you know, less expensive, less, you know, not as quality um, equipment, but I have a couple of friends and previous clients of mine that bought their snowshoes and gear at Costco, and they've had them now for a few years. They just do a really good job of taking care of it. So you don't have to spend a ton of money. If you know you want to go out and just buy some, check out Costco if you have access to that. You may not live in the States. You might live in other parts of the world that doesn't have access to that, but you might have another type of kind of warehouse um, similar to a Costco or a Sam's Club, okay? But I do think... Um, personally renting your gear a few times and trying out different types of snowshoes is a really good idea. That way you can decide if it's something you think you're going to enjoy. And um, also, let's just say you are traveling to a place where there is snow, you know, check, you know, into where you're traveling, see if there's a place that you can rent some so that if you already have your snowshoes, you don't need to lug yours along, you can just rent some. Or if you want to try out snowshoeing and you are traveling again, like I said earlier, you know, to a place that has snow, you know, why not add some adventure to your vacation and find a place you can rent them and just try it out. And I do recommend trying them out, you know, giving it a go at least two or three times um, because it does take some time to kind of just get a rhythm with the movement and kind of figure out how to get set up with your gear and figure out if it's something you think you're going to enjoy. Okay. And usually, you know, any town that offers skiing and snowboarding, they're usually going to have some snowshoe gear that you can rent. So, you know, just do a little bit of research before beforehand. And again, um, you know, if you're listening to this episode at another time during the year, it's not the winter, just put this episode in your back pocket and save it, you know, as an idea for the winter months once you get to the winter. Now, one final suggestion before you go out and you hit the mountain and try your hand at snowshoeing, um, prior to going out, I'd highly encourage you to practice putting on your gear specifically your snowshoes and your gaiters, um, because snowshoes, different models and styles, they have straps that need to be adjusted differently. And the adjustment is really based off of the size of your foot. So you really want to figure all this out beforehand um, because it's really helpful. And the reason I say that is because a few years back, um, when I was coaching and leading running groups in person, my running group at the time during the winter, we had our winter conditioning season. We went out to snowshoe in the mountains and a few of the women who had never snowshoed before, they showed up with all their gear, but they didn't know how to use it. They didn't have it set up and they got a little bit frustrated, you know, figuring all that out and figuring it all out when it was snowing, when it was cold and when they were at the trailhead and other people are wanting to get going. So that's really not a good start to a peaceful experience in the mountains. So just, you know, practice beforehand 
um, just so you're you're better prepared when you get to the trailhead and it just makes for a more enjoyable experience. All right. I really hope that these four benefits I shared with you today, you know, using snowshoeing to support your running and your overall fitness will spark a little interest and have you considering giving it a go. I would absolutely love it if you decide to go out and snowshoe. I would love it if you would share with me a photo of you giving it a try. You know, email it to me or send it, send me a private message on Facebook. My email is Pamela at PamelaOtero.com or you can easily message me on Facebook at Hey Coach Pamela. I really, really enjoy, you know, hearing from you and it just makes my day. And so let me know what you think about snowshoeing if you decide to give it a go and reach out, share with me your adventure um, and let me know if you're enjoying the snow. All right. But my friend, until we meet again next week, I'd love it if you'd go grab your running shoes, lace up and go enjoy the beautiful outdoors. Mm -hmm.